Welcome, everyone. This is Liz from the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. Thank you for listening to episode two. In episode one, I did my best to just explain what my cut flower farm is, Sunny Mary Meadow, and the conditions I grow in, just so that when you're listening along, you've got a little bit of a a map in your mind of kind of how things work and know that, you know, know the tools of my disposal. Like, okay, oh, when she's talking about a cooler, okay, she's talking about the 60-year-old creepy butcher shop one in the back of her shed. Oh, okay, yeah, that's her cooler. It's not this fancy, you know, or, you know, my high tunnel or, you know, when I talk about those things, like, oh, yeah, she has one of those. That's cool. You know, just so you can kind of remember that and tried to just give you an idea of, oh, yeah, she lives in the middle of Minnesota where it's freezing. Okay, yeah, so if you're listening in Georgia or Kansas or... Vermont. Yep, my growing conditions are going to be a little bit different than yours, but at least, you know, you have an idea of what's going on. So that was episode one. So now episode two, I want to tell you about Sunny Mary Meadow and how we got our start on our farm. I gave a little allude to it, but ultimately I am widowed. That's correct. I'm also engaged to be married again. So I'm not really sure how that status works, if I'm still going to be considered a widow or just buried and move on. And I I don't know. I don't know what that title is going to be. I think I'll always be a widow. But anyway, so want to get a little bit into that deeper story and how it actually got me to be where the farm is now based on those life circumstances. So my late husband and I both grew up on farms. I grew up on a farm in southwest Minnesota that had beef cattle and he grew up on a dairy farm in Stearns County, central Minnesota. So we both knew that agriculture was important to us, farming was important to us, all of our friends and family were doing it, but we just didn't know if we wanted that to be our primary source of income, primary source of livelihood. Um, It's a lot of work to farm, you are married to it, you know, your schedule goes around it, and we just, both of us kind of thought, I'm not sure that that's what I want. So he was actually an agriculture lender. By the time he passed away, he was actually a team leader, so he led a team of agriculture loan officers. So he worked with lending money to farmers, which is a pretty stressful job, but he was really good at it and he was well-respected and he absolutely loved what he did because he got to help other people be really successful on their own farms. And so he just had a little bit of a hand in it. So he wasn't farming, but he was kind of farming. So that was really cool. And again, I'm a nurse practitioner. I recently put in my notice and I have five weeks left of family practice medicine as a nurse practitioner. And I will be cutting back to just one day a week doing virtual urgent care visits from home because I am growing my flower business very rapidly and it's going really well. This isn't a spontaneous move, but it's something that needs to happen if I want to continue seeing where Sunny Mary Meadow is going to go. So in 2016, my husband and I lived in town and we ended up moving out to his family farm. It's 40 acres is the original piece of the farm that was established in 1888 by his great great grandpa. So we decided, you know what, we're just going to move out there. The house was original to the farm, so like 130 years old. We knew that it definitely needed some work. Let's just say there's a reason no one else wanted to move into that house. So we knew, you know what, let's just buy it. Let's uh, buy it as is, live in it. Cosmetically, let's fix some things up. His aunt and uncle helped us tremendously. Painted every square inch of that house. Changed out some light fixtures, some sinks, you know, just, you know, some flooring and cosmetically fixed it up. But ultimately, like the plaster walls were crumbling underneath the Luan board. And, you know, there was no insulation. And it just was a really old, decrepit farmhouse. But we lived in it and we knew that, okay, eventually we'll tear it down, start new and 
you know, the goal was 10 years. So by 2026, that was the goal. And then I was going to finish school. We had our first daughter in 2017, and then I graduated in 2019. So I graduated that fall. I think I started my job as a nurse practitioner December of 2019. And then, you know, life was good. We got some chickens that fall right before I started my NP job. And we were just dreaming about what we were going to do with the farm. And then COVID happened. I had been planning on starting a cut flower garden. You know, I'm looking at these seed catalogs and I was like, hey, what if I spend, you know, a few hundred dollars on seeds? And he just looked at me and he said, well, we're not going on any vacations anytime soon. The entire nation is shut down. So go for it. I don't care. We always had a huge vegetable garden, but I really hadn't had time to grow cut flowers besides like some zinnias here and there. And then I had a lot of perennials around the house for landscaping, but I never really had much for cut flowers. And so I started growing some of those things from seeds. I just, you know, whatever I could get in time, because also with the pandemic, there was a bit of a shortage because everyone decided to grow flowers at the same time. So I got some from Menards, got some from, you know, the local hardware store, and then I ended up starting out the cut flower garden. And then because I am a crazy overachiever, I decided, you know, like, what can I do with all of these? So I started following this account on Instagram that had a farm stand at the end of her driveway where people came and they got flowers. Well, growing up in Lake Benton, Minnesota, on the corner of Highway 75, just four miles north of town, there is something called Honey Corner. And there was an old lady from Poland named Valentina. Actually, it's Valentina, but we all called her Valentina Fierstein. And she had a honey stand and it was a self-serve honor system. And it said, take the honey, leave the money, and you would take your jar of honey and just leave some cash there. And I thought, you know, we can do that. And so I came up with a little quote and it said, put your money in the slot. Don't have correct change. Just give what you got. Settle up the next time you stop. And then I had my Venmo and my PayPal information um, along with a slot where they could put cash. And then at the bottom, I said, your honesty will keep this stand open. And so we just started, the plan was we were going to set flowers out there and people could just buy them as they wanted. And then we also did a lot of canning. So we got our cottage food license and then we put jellies and jams and salsas and Bloody Mary mix and all that stuff out there. So that was going to be the plan. We came up with this plan in like March and we're like, it'll just be fun. It'll just be cool. And it can pay for our hobby. That was That was literally the only goal was that I can pay for our hobby. And, you know, honestly, maybe we can get some tax write-offs out of the deal. Like, "Mm, sweet. Okay. That was our plan. That was our entire business plan. So then fast forward to that February, my grandma ended up going into the nursing home. She had a heart condition called amyloidosis and it's an autoimmune disease that ultimately you end up with heart failure and it is fatal. And so by the time we knew that she had that, she had months to live and she was only in her late seventies. So that was really, really hard, especially because her husband had been in a nursing home for 20 years at that point. So it was just really like shocking that suddenly like, okay, we knew grandpa wasn't in great health, but what the heck? Like it was just kind of completely just out of our control. And then what really sucked about the whole thing is that there were no visitors allowed. So she was there. She moved in. She never even got her stupid pictures hung up on the wall. And she would call my mom and she would call everyone, complain about it or just, you know, and she was so frustrated. She just wanted some pictures on her wall. But the maintenance men would not go into her room because of COVID. And so she just had to stare at these pictures that never got hung up on her wall. And she was just so mad about it and helpless. And I don't blame her. And it was just frustrating because it was so isolating for these residents that especially like her, 
you know, she's got a terminal diagnosis and, you know, it's just very challenging. And so when she passed away that June, you know, we were just getting ready to open the farm stand and, you know, we had her funeral and I had to, I think at that point I had to call my employee health for work and tell them that I was leaving the state because we had to tell them if we ever left the state because that's where things were at with COVID in Minnesota. We got back from her funeral and I ended up, you know, just thinking like how much it sucked on the drive home. It was like a four hour drive. And, you know, I started thinking, well, what could I do for nursing home residents to cheer them up? And so that's when I decided, hey, I'm going to have way more flowers than I'm possibly going to sell. Obviously, what if I do them all buy one, give one? So if you buy a bouquet, I charge $15 a piece. If you buy one, then I bring one to a nursing home also. And I picked a different nursing home every week and it was probably anywhere from eight to 15 every week starting out. And by the end of the season, I ended up selling 201 bouquets. So I donated 201 bouquets. And what happened was just this beautiful thing. So like I said, all I put was, you know, your honesty will mean the difference. We kept track down to the dollar of the stuff that we put down on the stand and the amount of money at the end of the day. And honestly, there were a couple days we were a little bit short by like even 15 bucks, which yeah, that's, that's kind of, that kind of hurts, you know, but then the next day that 15 bucks showed up or maybe it showed up as a 20 at the end of the season, the entire season, we were $9 over. Oh my gosh. Really? Yes. So we, we were $9 over, which is shocking. Okay. There's this voice that just popped up and I feel the need to introduce her. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got my friend Abby here and the goal of this podcast is she's going to be in it as well basically doing color commentary because I want her to ask those obvious questions because my whole goal is you don't need to be an advanced flower farmer with a business to get something out of this podcast. If anything, I want to just teach you how to grow a cut flower garden or how to start a business as a flower farm or whatever it may be. Or maybe it's just an interesting listen, but she's the one who keeps me accountable and make sure that I don't uh, start using words that you don't understand and using terms that you don't understand. So she's the one to just keep it keep it at a beginner's level. So she's she's here for color commentary. I'll give you a little background on what I know about flowers and gardening. My first job was working for a floral shop in Long Prairie. I didn't do anything with the flowers other than water them. And it wasn't even in the floral shop. It was in the cemetery across the street from it. So I just took care of flower pots for an entire summer. All I know about is petunias. You that's kept it. them alive. You kept <laughs> them kept alive. I kept petunias alive. And that's <laughs> all I know. I know a little bit about cacti and succulents. Mm-hmm. But as far as cut flowers go, total newbie. Yeah. So. And honestly, I always say that my house is a uh, hospice for houseplants. I forget to water them inside. I do much better when they're outside and when they have a purpose. <laughs> Otherwise, they're useless to me. Anyway, <laughs> so at the end of that season, we were $10 ahead. It was amazing. $9 ahead. You know, we kind of looked at it and I just said, okay, Josh, I'm, I just want to try it. I just want to try this. So I started some summer subscriptions or offering subscriptions to my current customers. I'm like, hey, next year, you know, you can get a bouquet either every week or every other week. Let's just do this for next year. And I had like 30 customers interested in it for next year already. So they paid me a year ahead of time. And so I'm like, okay, now I'm going to buy tulips and I'm going to plant a bunch of tulip bulbs. And I planted, I think, a thousand of them. And then I was going to use that money to buy my seeds for the next year, thinking that like my farm stand and it's just like I started this little business model like, okay, it'll take us, you know, three, four years to get going, but I'm just going to use this for next year. And it's like a CSA where you, you know, support them ahead of time. So that was my plan. And I had these big plans, but yet 
they were like, well, someday the world's going to open and we got to get on with life and we'll see how much we want to do this flower farm. But for now, it's cool. And I was still working full time as a nurse practitioner at the time. And we were trying to get pregnant with our second child. We weren't quite sure how it was all going to look, but it doesn't matter how I thought it was going to look then because then December of 2020 was when my husband died of a heart attack. Completely, you know, just threw my world off kilter. Three-year-old Vidalia, our daughter, you know, it was just her and I, or at least I thought until the day after the funeral, I found out I was pregnant with the child that we had been trying for, for a year, over a year. That was interesting timing. Then I just thought, you know what? I'm throwing in the towel. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm not doing this. There's, you know, I can't do the flowers. And I cut back at work to three days a week. Well, I took a few months off. And then I said, when I do come back, I'm just going to come back three days a week. And I I just, I have no idea how I'm going to do any of this. He died in December. And then that February, I ended up getting an email. Well, and actually... This will be another episode, but I wrote a children's book in January after he died, which I'll tell you all about that later, which I don't really know how that happened a month after he died, but I did it and it was beautiful. So then fast forward to February, I was kind of thinking I was going to be done with the flowers and I got this email from a gentleman named Tom and he said, hey, I'd like to order 200 bouquets for Easter for some nursing home residents. And I I thought it was a joke. I was like, that was mean, especially because I had sold 201 the year before and I didn't really understand. I don't know. I just, I was like, I I don't understand what's happening. Like, why did, what does he mean? And I was like, well, Easter, I don't even have flowers in Easter. And I even said back, I'm like, that's going to be really expensive because you'll have to buy them all or I'll have to buy them all. So you can't afford 200 Easter bouquets is basically what I said. I just said, no, like I can't do that. They'll be too expensive. And I think he emailed back something along the lines of, you're a terrible salesperson. <laughs> I'm like, who is this guy? Does he know that I'm widowed? Like, What a jerk. <laughs> like, he just I, totally put yeah, you in your place. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, okay. And he's like, well, can you figure it out? And I'm like, Okay. And then I realized he was serious. He's like, nope, I know who you are because my husband was on the township and he, you know, lived in the area. And he just, he's like, we just want to give back because it was still locked down for the nursing homes. And he's like, we just want to get a really cool gift for all of our residents. And we'd like to do it through you if you have a way of doing it. And then I got really excited and to the point of like a passion project. And I just was like, yeah, yeah, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Yep, sure. I really think this whole project needs to be its own episode as well down the road. But I'll just tell you, I ended up calling the florist that did my husband's funeral flowers. And she helped me, you know, get all the flowers ordered. And then my existing customers rallied together and ordered. I had to cut them off after 100 bouquets. So I sold 300 bouquets with flowers that I ordered from wholesale. And it was just absolutely insane. That was in April of 2021. And then, you know, my tulips were ready and I had my summer subscriptions and planted the garden while I was pregnant. I had so many volunteers coming out. I would just post something on Instagram like, hey, I'm planting flowers tomorrow. Does anyone want to help? I'd have like 15 people here with like, you know, little shovels and aprons and gloves. And they're like, hey, I brought lunch too. I'm like, okay. Oh, that's so and cute. So it was, it was. So we got the garden planted and then, you know, I had the subscriptions and that's all I really did for the most part. I had the farm stand open intermittently, but I would just like post on Facebook or Instagram when it was going to be open. I did a few events. I did a few 
afternoons where kids came out just to try to, you know, introduce more people to the farm. You know, I had some people come out and they could make their own bouquets, but I did that a handful of times because like I said, I was pregnant. I was due in August. Yeah, we got through the subscriptions. We got through that year. I sold like five times as many flowers as I did the previous year. I planted a ton of tulips that fall while I was on maternity leave. And I just thought, okay, year three, we'll see what happens. And so then year three was when things really took off. So year one to year two, year one, I sold 200 bouquets, you know, technically 400 because of the nursing home, but we'll say 200 that I sold year two. And then, you know, I'm going to do a whole episode on the nursing home subscriptions and where that's at now, because I did them every year. And now in year four, I've got a really exciting thing happening with those. So year one to year two, um, I went from about 200, um, 200 bouquets to about 1200. And then this last year, I well over surpassed 3000 between subscriptions, stem bars, everything. So about 15 times as many sales, um, just in flowers alone. So that was cool. Um, so that <laughs> You're was so chill about this. So that was year three. And so now we are entering year four. Year three, I kind of reinvested everything back into the business. I had to have an employee. Um, I had to have two people actually that helped me quite a bit because I was still working at the clinic three days a week and just was subscriptions and you know definitely could not have done it without them Lindsay's going to be here with me again this year and so just trying to really you know look at how everything's going but ultimately this last year I incorporated stem bars so I had just buckets of flowers and people could come and make their own bouquet they could do that both at the farm and at the local breweries and that really took off because I think this was the year that it just opened back up and people wanted experiences and they wanted to get out with their friends and they wanted to see their people or it just brought even more value to a product that, hey, I made this. So it just, you know, they'd, they'd pay more to make it themselves. And so, and not, I mean, it was a lot of work to have it looking well, you know, to have that all set up and be a good experience. But, you know, ultimately that's something that I think we're definitely carrying forward into next year. So then I bought a high tunnel, which again, we'll do a whole episode on high tunnels, but it's a basically a greenhouse that's on the ground but it doesn't have a heat source so it's heated by the sun and it gets you plus or minus a month of season extension early in the spring and late in the fall so that you can grow a little bit longer because otherwise we have a short growing season here in Minnesota it's probably about May 15th to September 20th for annuals at least so then I'm really just right now I'm focusing on flowers that can bloom you know much earlier so they're considered cold hardy so I can get them in the ground, you know, mid-April as soon as the ground can be worked versus when the last frost is. And then into the fall again, stuff that is frost hardy. Yeah. And then this year also, so year four, I'm also going to end the season with a wedding for myself. So I am getting married again. Now I've got my five-year-old daughter, one and a half-year-old daughter and a fiance. So we call them flower farmer boyfriend for a long time around here. And then last week he got upgraded to flower fiance Brent. So he's a flower farmer fiance and we'll be getting married in October. So I will be growing all of my own flowers here in Minnesota for my own wedding. It's really iffy if it's going to be frost or not. So a lot of those are going to go in the high tunnel. But yeah, so that's kind of where the flower farm is at this year. I'm really hoping, you know, with this podcast to just really help educate and teach and just let you know what I'm working on. I absolutely love teaching. I'm as a nurse practitioner, I teach patients. I teach people. I, you know, that's kind of something that I've always loved doing. And I've got so many people interested in growing their own cut flowers. I think it's you know, just 
such a great hobby to have and if anything it adds value to the flowers that I already have. Thank you for being here and that's kind of the Sunny Mary Meadow story or part of it. Don't worry there's a lot more coming. Thanks for listening to the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I'm your host Liz. If you like what you're hearing please subscribe and rate us. You can find us on Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook all at Sunny Mary Meadow. You can subscribe to our email newsletter at sunnymarymeadow.com. 